What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, and we're talking some Cardinals baseball here on Monday, April 19th, as the Cardinals lose a series over the weekend to the Phillies. Traditional fashion, the way we've seen them do, right? They'll play games where they can't score, and then they'll play the games where they can't stop scoring. And they drop two or three from the Phillies because they don't score in two of those games enough runs. And yesterday on Sunday against Aaron Nola, they didn't score at all as the Cardinals lose that game 2-0. But tonight was a different story as the Cardinals make their way to Washington, D.C. Took on the Nationals. Remember, this ballpark was where their season ended in 2019 as they were swept by the eventual World Series champion Washington Nationals that season. And you remember when the Cardinals lost that series, they couldn't score to save their lives. It was a really trying offensive series. And when you get swept, it you know you probably didn't do very many things well. Scoring the baseball was not one of the things the Cardinals could do in that series. They start this one off very differently. I don't know if it quite makes up for that NLCS sweep a couple of years ago that the Cardinals won this one, the series opener in D.C. on Monday, 12-5. to But, hey, it's a nice little consolation here in 2021 as the Cardinals get back to an even 8-8 eight and eight on the young season. And, again, it's kind of like a broken record situation here. We're either talking about the Cardinals and how great they're scoring on a given night or how they can't get anything done offensively whatsoever. This was one of the good nights. And it's kind of hard to put your finger on why they can do it some games and not on others. Mike Schilt was asked about it again, that concept of consistency. And tonight he basically said, I don't really know how many different ways to say it. If we put the bat on the ball and we take good at-bats, we're going to give ourselves a chance. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's going to work out and others it's not. There are varying factors as to why that is. And, you know, Schilt, very process-oriented kind of guy because as the manager of a major league team, you have to be, really. You don't want to get caught up in the, the ins and outs of a given result because you know there's another game to play the next night, and you know that sometimes the luck is going to break your way and other times it's not. And for the Cardinals in this game, I don't know how much luck goes into it when you hit five home runs, as St. Louis did on Monday, but then you have other games like the one on Sunday against Aaron Nola. They didn't get a runner to second base the entire game. Not a lot of luck goes into that, but also you can't really discredit the 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 luck or the factor of the other guy just found out a way to get you out consistently and they're going to they're going to give praise to pitchers we've talked about that as well throughout this young season sometimes maybe feeling like they're giving a little too much praise to guys that sure they might have had a good night but historically players that you'd like to be able to do a little more damage off of Aaron Nola he's okay if you if you're going to if you're going to get a pass for a game like that, you can say, yeah, Aaron Nola probably did pitch his ass off, and he's one of the ace-caliber pitchers in the National League. Not a major surprise that the Cardinals get stopped up by him, though, of course, the previous outing you have against Steven Strasburg that was memorable last week, you felt really good about, but then he goes on the injured list. So a healthy Aaron Nola, definitely a tough guy to be able to do much against. Cardinals didn't on Sunday. Let's flip to today, though. Joe Ross was a pitcher that the Cardinals struggled to do a whole lot against in a previous outing last week. Now they see him on the road in D.C., and they're able to rough him up. Uh, You know, does the factor that they saw him just a few days ago 
the previous turn in the rotation on April 14th when he pitched six shutout innings against the Cardinals, who only got four hits against him in that game at Bush Stadium. Is it a factor that you have that experience and you can come back and look at him a little differently in this one? You'd think that it wouldn't be such a factor that you go from getting shut out by a guy to roughing him up for 10 earned runs in the next outing, but that's exactly what the Cardinals did tonight as they get 10 of their 12 runs in this game off of the starter Joe Ross, who went four and a third, gave up eight hits, three walks. The Cardinals made him pay for them with four home runs on the night. The biggest, most punishing blow of the game comes off the bat of Paul DeYoung in the fifth inning when Dylan Carlson is intentionally walked. He gets moved up to the number five hole in this game tonight, which is something that Cardinals fans have been begging for. Every day they see a lineup released, and you see Matt Carpenter struggling offensively this season and others batting above. Paul DeYoung is another example of a guy that is batted above Carlson in the batting order most of the time. But tonight that was not the case as Dylan gets moved up to number five in the order with DeYoung slotting in behind him. And in the fifth inning there, they walk Dylan Carlson intentionally to get to Paul DeYoung. That loads the bases. I understand with one out, you're going for the double play in that situation. But considering Paul DeYoung had already homered off of Joe Ross in this game, that was maybe not the best decision as DeYoung makes sure to make him pay for it, hitting the grand slam, his second home run of the game, to kind of continue the trend for Paul DeYoung that has been a real all-or-nothing start to this season. He's getting the batting average up close to the Mendoza line. I believe he's at 189 after tonight's game. OPS at 789, you would take that all season long. Uh, it's it's not in the upper echelon for sure, but I would imagine looking at his numbers, it's better than Paul DeYoung has been in the last couple of years as he's tailed off toward the ends of seasons. And in fact, it would be his best OPS since his rookie season in 2017 when he had an 857 OPS overall. Since then, he's gone 746, 762, and then last year, 670 in the shortened season. So not a very conventional way to get to it, but DeYoung would have... Now five home runs on the season, just 53 at-bats, and so I'm not sure what the plate appearances is on MLB.com. They don't show it, but definitely the home run rate is something that you'd take, but I believe it's a second home run or multi-home run game of the season as well. So he's kind of getting them in bunches, and you'd like to see him just have a little more consistency. That's been the name of the game, though, right? We I don't know how long we can continue to have the same podcast, but that's basically where the Cardinals are at. And they've got to find a way to to do it on a regular basis. And Mike Schultz, I think, getting a little bit, maybe not maybe not indignant. I don't think that's the right word, but clearly a little perplexed by the fact that we're continuing to have to talk about this because he sees the guys go through the same process. In his mind, it's a good one. It's the kind of process that can elicit the kinds of results they had on Monday when you score 12 runs and hit five homers. Up and down the lineup, the Cardinals were teeing off tonight as Paul Goldschmidt had his second of the season a little bit earlier in the game. He goes back-to-back, actually, forming the latter half of a duo with Tommy Edmond, who goes deep again in this game as well for the Cardinals. We already kind of discussed DeYoung, who had a couple, and Justin Williams comes in with the fifth for the Cardinals, 109.2 miles per hour off the bat, an absolute rocket into left center field over the fence and kind of funny there was a fan there who failed to catch an earlier home run ball and kind of threw his hat and glove in disgust if you saw the Cardinals 
broadcast, I'm sure you were aware of it because they kind of talked and laughed a lot about it. But then the same guy ends up catching the home run from Justin Williams, and he brought his glove to the game, probably had some batting practice going on earlier on before the game began, and he catches it in the webbing, but it's like he was shaking his hand. It hit him so hard in the hand for the next several minutes. So no question Justin Williams has the potential to get up and out of a ballpark in a hurry, and he did it tonight. Again, he's another guy in this lineup who I think, for one, the Cardinals are going to continue to give him opportunities, especially while you have Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill on the mend, which we'll get to an injury update on a couple of those guys here toward the end of the podcast before we wrap things up. But in the meantime, you're going to see a lot of Justin Williams. You've seen him plenty so far. And tonight, he rewards the manager with a two-for-three night, two runs scored, obviously had that home run, and he reaches base a third time with a walk, hitting two thirty-one. Uh, batting average not going to be the biggest deal for a guy in his spot in the order. Uh, the 718 OPS is getting a little bit more toward respectable in the power. It's definitely going to be a part of his game. That's why the Cardinals really gave him that chance out of spring to begin with. They had the extra option year. If you recall in spring training, it was a situation with him after the COVID season. Were they going to Major League Baseball award the Cardinals an extra option year over Justin Williams? which if the answer was yes, and it was something that was kind of delayed the decision all the way up until the beginning of the season, a couple of days before it is when the Cardinals got a ruling and confirmation on that. And you figured, well, if they do get that ruling and, and it goes in their favor as it did, maybe they'll send him down to start the season because they don't have to have him there. But Lane Thomas struggled to the finish. You know, it, it only took him uh, a couple of rough games too once he got called back up with all the injuries the Cardinals outfielders had. And that's why Scott Hurst is on the Cardinals right now, because Lane Thomas had that game at uh, Bush Stadium late last week where he just could not do it in the field defensively, struggling on multiple plays. And sure enough, on the off day the next day, the Cardinals purchased the contract of Hurst. I uh, don't know that we've had a podcast since to talk about it, but basically it was like, get an outfielder up here. I think we did talk about that Lane Thomas game on our last episode. Uh, you know, it's just, and you may see some more of Lane Thomas down in the future, but it was not his day and certainly uh, not something where some of those plays involved what you could perceive as a lack of effort, not something that's going to play in St. Louis as we talked about. So Scotty Hurst has gotten the call, hasn't gotten his first hit yet, but has gotten into a couple of games for the Cardinals. Actually ended up getting thrown out at the plate tonight. On a, on a kind of go-on contact ground ball to the left side of the infield. Um, but, he, you know, just a part, of the, a part of the team right now, and we'll see if he ends up getting a start. I know that's something that I talked about on Twitter because with me doing the baseball card line that's over at B. Schaefer 12 on Twitter, that would have been a name where I, you would think I might have been unprepared. But fortunately, I got, I got sent that Scott Hurst card the day before he got called up and it arrived in the mail. So I will be ready to go for the next time if uh, Scotty Hurst ends up in a Cardinals starting lineup anytime soon. But we're talking about just the consistency of this lineup and the guys that are going to be in it. Justin Williams getting his chances, taking advantage. Paul DeYoung, again, if the 789 OPS is, is what he does for the season, you would take that for sure. But the way he's going about it, you'd want to see more consistency game to game. That's true of the Cardinals as a team. It's true of many players on the Cardinals. Goldschmidt is another example. His OPS still below 700, even after a 3-for-5 day with a home run tonight. Had a couple of RBIs and two runs scored. 
but you want to see more out of him. Tommy Edmond, I think, would, would be the guy I would classify as probably the Cardinals' most consistent hitter. Because even Yachty, who's got the 932 OPS, he's still hitting above 300. He had an 0 for 5 tonight for the Cardinals and has, you know, kind of had those games. Nolan Arenado's had those games. He goes 1 for 5 today. But Edmund, it seems like, had had the long hitting streak, I believe, got snapped recently. But tonight, another good game of 2 for 5 with a run scored. A couple of strikeouts. Again, we talk about how he doesn't really walk as much as you'd like to see for a leadoff guy but has been pretty consistent in finding a way to put the bat to the ball and make something happen when he does. I, you just don't want to have those games where you only get two hits. I get Aaron Nola is a tough pitcher. Cardinals have to find a way going forward to be able to fix it. And look, if you're at 8-8 eight and eight right now, you don't expect the National League Central, when it all is said and done over the course of 162, to necessarily be the top division in, in Major League Baseball or even within the National League. I know the Reds got off to that really hot start in the NL Central, and so that's kind of the team that everybody's chasing for now. But they're 9-6. and six. Uh, They've kind of settled down over their last 10 to a 5-5 five and five record in those games. Brewers right behind, Cardinals right behind them. So 8-7, eight and 8-8, seven, 7-9, eight and, eight, and nine, and the Cubs are actually bringing up the rear of 6-9 right now. All these teams are going to be within a pretty close range of each other. I think as the year goes along, you're going to see the Pirates fade away. Uh, right now, they're only a couple of games below 500. I just don't think they've got the roster to hold up uh, to even the other teams in the division. I expect the Cubs are actually going to be better than what they've been so far. And I think the Brewers are going to be end up ultimately the biggest challenge to the Cardinals in this division. We'll see how the Reds can fare. I think the Cardinals and Reds are going to have some really interesting games over the remainder of the season, especially when you consider already the intrigue with Nicholas Castellanos, who is is maybe going to turn out to be that villain against the Cardinals this season. He certainly was the last time these two teams locked up, and he basically had the Cardinals number in the, the brawl, benches clearing situation, and then thereafter when he's hitting bombs and doubles off of their pitching. So I think you've got some interesting teams throughout this division. But all it's going to take for the Cardinals, I do think it's still their division to lose. You just have to more consistently give yourself a chance to win games. Be that resilient team that can turn those bad outings offensively into the kinds of outings where you find a way to get three or four runs, and on some nights that might end up being enough because your pitching staff can back you up. Let's talk about, though, the fact that the Cardinals' offense, while they haven't done it every game, they have backed up Jack Flaherty. When he's started, he's getting an average of, I believe they said, 11 runs of support per game. It's either 9 or 11. It's like 44 runs per game, and he started four games. He improves to 3-0 and tonight. Gave up only two earned runs, but he gives up a total of five runs. So you get three unearned ones in there. You technically qualify for the quality start. Flaherty was basically saying after the game, look, six innings, that's okay, but that's not really what we're striving toward. We want to pitch 7, 8. We want to go 9. We want to go deeper. And again, it sounds like a broken record talking about this Cardinals offense looking for consistency. Same story with the Cardinals rotation. They're looking for getting deeper into games, being able to spare the bullpen. I think with this outing, the Cardinals starters have now surpassed once again the uh, allotted innings total compared to the bullpen for the season but it's been a neck-and-neck neck battle, and that's not the way you want it. Flaherty looked pretty good earlier on tonight, but then he got into that fourth inning, and suddenly you're up around 75 pitches, and you're just wondering, where is the consistent 
efficiency going to come for Jack Flaherty? He gives up a couple of runs in that inning, then gets into the sixth. Things get a little bit messy with errors for the Cardinals in that inning where Jack ends up giving up three total runs in the frame. And weird for Nolan Arenado to end up making an error in this game as he does. His second of the year kind of was on a ball that he boots from like the shortstop position. Kind of, you figure with the shift, uh, maybe an unfamiliar terrain. And they mentioned on the broadcast, that's the second time they've seen him do that this year. Both of his errors have been that similar style of play. But for Flaherty, I mean, when you give up five runs, it doesn't feel like the ace caliber performance, but technically does qualify for the quality start. I still think, as I said every time after Jack Flaherty started and we come on here and talk about the game, I still think you're going to see better from him as the season goes along. ERA of 3.80 you take. Obviously, again, this is another game where you scrutinize his outing a little bit more closely if this was a game the Cardinals had trouble winning. They were far and away in the lead at that point. I think that's kind of why Mike Schilt let him finish that sixth inning despite the fact he'd given up five runs. Again, only two earned, but still when you give up five runs and and you you figure a guy might be kind of running out of gas at that point, he ends up getting the final out of his day on pitch number 107. So uh, I believe that's a new uh, season high in pitch count for Flaherty. If not, it's right up there with what he had in one of those early starts. I think that's got to be his season high. They wouldn't have let him do that on opening day if I recall correctly. But he's battling out there, you know, had a little better of uh, control, command of his fastball tonight is what he said. But you can still clearly tell that he's not quite to that next gear. It's a gear he expects himself to hit. And I think there have been some Cardinals fans being a little hard on him, a little bit harsh about the start to the season. I think you'd probably be hearing it a lot more if the Cardinals weren't winning all the games that he's starting. But, hey, you get that run support. I think that might be exactly what Jack Flaherty needs to be able to get into his groove of the season, which I think by the time the weather warms up, he's going to continue to warm up as well. Again, not worried about Jack Flaherty. Maybe the rest of the Cardinals rotation have some concerns with, but as long as Jack is healthy, I think he's going to end up being just fine. And, hey, when he starts to string those starts together where it's seven innings, eight innings of one run, maybe he'll have a shutout mixed in, the ERA starts to drop. These early wins are going to help for that whole Cy Young conversation. I still think that's a conversation he could be involved in if he starts to hit his stride as the summer goes along because the 3-0 record looks real nice. I know that nowadays, 21st century, you talk about 2021, they don't look at the win total quite as much. Jacob deGrom's won Cy Young's with 10-11 wins because for whatever reason, the Mets can never seem to score for that guy. If you combined Jack Flaherty's run support this season already with uh, Jacob deGrom, the way he typically pitches for New York and never seems to get any offense for, for his starts, uh, deGrom would be like a 25-game winner every year. But that's just not the way that it goes. For Flaherty, though, I think you're going to see the regression to the mean on both sides. Cardinals aren't going to continue to score for him like they have. There have been times in the past where they haven't scored for Flaherty. I think that's just one of those kind of random circumstances that can be different every year. You remember a couple of years ago, it was Adam Wainwright who kind of benefited from the offense. Then again, he was providing some of it because I think he either won the Silver Slugger that season or probably arguably could have done so with the offensive campaign that he had. But for the Cardinals right now, Flaherty looks to be their most reliable starter. You'll get Adam Wainwright going in the next game, and uh, Cardinals will be able to see if they can start to string some starts together where they can believe in the guys that they have and play good defense behind them. 
Give them some run support and see if the Cardinals can't go on a little bit of a run. We talked about the Nationals being a team kind of underperforming. They're only 5-9 and nine this year after getting off to a slow start due to the COVID situation. Uh, Cardinals want to try to be able to take advantage of a team that could be scuffling a little bit and not yet finding their stride. You look up and down this lineup, super lineup. I mean, they've got some names in their bonafide big league sluggers that just aren't quite performing up to expectations right now. When you talk about Josh Bell, who's hitting 120, Kyle Schwarber, I think, is going to end up being more of a force for them than he's been hitting 235 with an OPS at 669. So a couple of those guys getting off to slow starts to their season. Juan Soto not off to a slow start. He's hitting 300 OPS and 870, just like you'd expect. Nationals are going to be a force, but you don't want them to become that force in this series. You got off to a good start. You'd like to be able to continue it. The bullpen should be pretty fresh as well when the Cardinals get going on Tuesday night at Nationals Park. Genesis uh, Cabrera had an inning tonight of relief, a couple of strikeouts, gave up a couple of base runners. He usually tends to have to pitch around some traffic, but I think that's just kind of the the pitcher that he is. He's got electric stuff. You're not going to square him up very often, uh, but if you're able to you know, pick your spots and pitch around some danger like he often does, you'll take that. His ERA for the season now at 3.12. And Daniel Ponce de Leon, good to see him get into the mix as well in this game. Uh, didn't give up any hits or walks in two innings of work and had a strikeout to cap this thing off for the Cardinals, uh, but his ERA for the year is still above nine. So going to want to have him be able to get a little bit back down to earth. But, hey, if he can be a weapon for the Cardinals out of the bullpen, I don't know what that will evolve into, but obviously I don't think it's it's really likely he'll return to the starting rotation anytime soon unless you really need uh, some extra arms due to injury or whatever. Uh, we can get into the uh, injury report as the Cardinals end up getting some good news, I think, across the board as they look to get guys back. Um, we know, first of all, from that starting rotation standpoint, you're going to see Johan Oviedo rejoin the team when they start the stretch. Uh, I believe Friday begins the stretch. This coming Friday at Bush Stadium of 17 days where they play consecutively, and that's 14 of those 17 games will be played at Bush Stadium. I think they've got a seven-gamer at home and then a three-gamer over the weekend, next weekend in Pittsburgh, and then they've got seven more that they return home for. So a lot of home cooking coming up, but for those games, they're going to try to honor that extra off day, as Mike Schild has phrased it, to have guys get a full five days off rather than pitching every fifth day. It'll be more like every sixth day. Try to keep the starters fresh. They will go to a modified rotation for that point in time. Six people in the rotation. Oviedo expected to be one of those guys. Kwon Young Kim, of course, has returned. He returned to the rotation over the weekend for the Cardinals in Philadelphia. Cardinals hoping that he'll be able to kind of pick up where he left off last season, get a lefty in there, maybe be able to get some length into that rotation, keep the bullpen fresh, as all these arms are trying to do. John Gant, I think, is just going to end up being that kind of starter that is maybe going to throw five innings every time he goes between zero and three earned runs, and it's going to be, as he's called it, blue collar, and he's going to try to grind through. But honestly, for a number five starter, it's not like he's getting shelled in any of these outings. He's just not getting very deep. Efficiency's been a problem for not just him, the entire rotation. But hey, if you're able to keep your team in the game as the number five starter, I think that really is all that the team could ask for. But if Miles Michaelis is able to return at some point here in the near future, that could potentially be the spot vacated by John Gant, and maybe he could move back to the bullpen 
but it's still looking like it's going to be several weeks for Michaelis. He's faced live hitters is the update on him from an injury perspective. He did that over the weekend, but it's going to be, I mean, you can kind of figure he's in that kind of mid to late February stage of preparation for the season. So I would say probably a good month away, maybe even a little bit more because you might get him into some extra simulated games before he rejoins the rotation. And that's assuming everything goes well with the shoulder. He had that discomfort that he just was never able to get rammed up in spring training. And so uh, that's why he's on that delayed schedule. But the Cardinals would like to have him. He was the kind of guy that could eat up innings. Uh, Over the two seasons that he pitched for the Cardinals, full seasons, had the ERA down at 2.8 in his first year with St. Louis. And he was excellent, logged over 200 innings, was still up around 190 the next year just in a little bit of a less effective fashion. But honestly, if you're going six, seven innings, Cardinals will take that ERA around four. It's really just about being able to spare the bullpen and keeping them sharp. Keep you in the games, find a way to win from there. I think that's really got to be the approach that the Cardinals are hoping to be able to get with these starters. But let's shift a little bit, mention the outfield before we get out of here because O'Neill and Bader, two guys we've talked a little bit about in the context of Everybody around them now is trying to fill those roles. Uh, O'Neill wasn't hitting right before he tweaked his groin on the homestand trying to run out a ball against uh, Milwaukee on April 10th. But obviously when he returns, I think the Cardinals, they like his gold glove defense. They like the power potential that he brings. Um, I think it'll kind of depend on how Carpenter is playing. He's been in the lineup a lot. Uh, but if he doesn't turn it around, you could see Edmund shift back to second. I think that's the thing about Carpenter right now. There's not a lot of great answers to put in the outfield. I know there are people who would like to see John Nagowski get starts, but clearly Mike Schultz not comfortable with him playing there. I think the front office would be, but it, Mike Schultz just hasn't put him there. So I, I just don't know that there's any likelihood to that uh, being something that takes place anytime soon. He's a big bopper off the bench, and that's about it for the Cardinals at this point in time. So that kind of leaves Matt Carpenter with more obvious opportunity, and and the Cardinals would certainly like to get him going. But I think if you get O'Neal back or if you get Bader back, you could see that start to shift a little bit um, as they continue to try to obviously get Justin Williams in there. Carlson's going to play, of course, um, but O'Neal getting him back would be something the Cardinals would like to see. He's been swinging the bat over the weekend at the alt side in Soje over at the Gateway Grizzlies Park, has hit a couple of home runs in consecutive days. According to Mike Schilt, he mentioned on a Zoom call over the last couple of days, and so he's progressing, he's been running, should probably be able to return to the Cardinals here in the next few days, eligible to come off the injured list on Wednesday based on backdating the 10 days to when he got hurt. But since off day is scheduled for Thursday, I think Friday will be, uh, based on what Mike Schultz said this afternoon, the day that you see Tyler O'Neill return to the Cardinals roster. And then Harrison Bader could be a little bit behind that maybe the beginning of May. Of course, he had the forearm strain, and he's been throwing. He's been improving, trying to work on long distance, throwing from 120 feet, and the Cardinals think he recovering well as well. We haven't seen his bat in the lineup at all this season because that injury happened toward the end of spring training. But it's going to be interesting to see where Harrison Bader picks up because he could be somebody that could boost the lineup as well. I know a lot of people might kind of roll their eyes when they hear me say that, but uh, look, his his OPS last year among Cardinals outfielders was tops. There was nobody in the Cardinals outfield mix that had a better OPS than him. I know there was small sample to be considered 
I know that you could look at, like we talked about, Paul DeYoung having a great OPS this year, or great, I say, you know, relatively good at 789. Uh, a lot of those games that are boosting the OPS, it's because he's hitting multiple home runs, he's doing it in bunches, but then kind of going quiet for a while. Well, that's what Harrison Bader was kind of guilty of last year, but having the OPS of 779, I believe it was, you take that over the course of a season, and, and Bader, I think, is a guy who will be motivated when he gets in there to try to show that he can you know, be the everyday center fielder because Carlson, for the most part, has kind of taken that over and done so pretty comfortably on the defensive side, and, and you know what you expect him to bring offensively. So uh, I imagine he'll shift into right field when Bader gets back, and you'll have a crowded table once again in the Cardinals outfield, and they'll have a lot more of a difficult time trying to pick their spots of when to get different guys' starts. But that's kind of what it looks like from the injury standpoint for the Cardinals as of right now. And they'll be looking to try to get things going as a team once again tomorrow as they take on the Nationals in Game 2 from Washington, D.C. It'll be Adam Wainwright on the mound once again. So appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. We're going to wrap things up from there. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. You can do it over at Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Click the Like button, the Subscribe button, wherever it gets you notifications to find out when we've got a new episode dropping would love to have you on board for that so you can be sure to listen whenever it's out and keep up with the Cardinals as we roll, you know, four to five times a week. That continues to be the plan that we've kind of hit on and uh, hopefully we'll continue to be able to do. So appreciate you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time.